Hey folks, it's Trisha. Earlier this week, I sat down with our friend Angelica for a drink and to record another Like a Boss mini episode. But before I get that started, I just wanted to let you know that we are working on a new episode. We are going to be recording a full-length episode in the studio next week. And in the meantime, we've been posting a lot of fresh content over on our website. So if you haven't been over there recently, I encourage you to go check it out. So to hold you over without any further ado, here is my mini episode with Angelica. This is Trisha. I am here at Cafe Mod with my friend Angelica Perez. Hi, Angelica. Hi, Trisha. Thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. So, Angelica works at an organization called Whole Women's Health. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so Whole Women's Health is an abortion provider in seven different, with seven different locations throughout the country. So we're on the East Coast, Texas, New Mexico, and here in Minneapolis. As well as Peoria, Illinois, who we just added. So, oh, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. And tell us what you do for Whole Women's Health. So I manage our Empower Line, which is the contact resource center for Whole Women's Health. So here in Minneapolis, we're getting calls from women all throughout the country, helping guide women through the abortion process. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into this work, why it's important to you? Yeah, so I got into this work, um, you know, I moved to Minneapolis about three and a half years ago from Austin, Texas, and, you know, just saw, experienced, um, and saw all these increased attacks on reproductive health care, so not even just abortion, but also just family planning yeah. and contraception. Right. Um, and so for me, a woman's ability to control her life is directly controlled to her ability to choose when to have a family, when to expand the family, or to not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that did, That is like the one of the biggest factors of our economic success. And so um, for me, this Working at home and health was a way to bring justice to women, to help help them make sure that they women have an understanding of what's going on uh, with their bodies and that they have support during this process as well. That's really important. Um, so one of the things that we know from Amy and I in our own experience doing. Um, human services work and social justice work is women who do this kind of work experience a lot of burnout. Um, Tell me a little bit about how you avoid that in your work and in your life and maybe what you observe around you happening in terms of burnout. Yeah, so I would say probably about I mean, the first year that I did this work was super hard. Um, I was a lot younger, a lot more naive about my ability to take on work. Um, And now I think I've I've come to manage it more, but I also really stress in my department that if you have a tough phone call, whether emotionally draining, someone's mad at you, um, that you take time out for yourself. So that means like you get away from your desk, you take a five minute walk, and that's okay, right? Like, you have to allow that space. Um, and so for me, that that's also been 
how I keep myself in check. If I have a tough day, I know that I've got to, like, separate myself, kind of, like, retransition um, into, like, my own safe space, which is usually quiet. Um, yeah, so just in drawing boundaries of work hours as well, right? Like, I can, I have to do 40 hours, and if, if I go above that, like, I have to cut back somewhere else in my life. Um, so really, and, and really not doing that anymore, right? Um, to really, like, draw the line of when it's okay to stop. When it's okay to stop. Yeah. Because we'll have next week. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think me having that ability to do that and then also to create that space for my team has been really important in our success and um, keeping people here in my department instead of having them go because right. of the stress. Right, avoiding turnover. Right. It's, I mean, in organizations like that, we see a lot of turnover. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I know that you're in grad school right now. Yes. Um, tell yeah. me... <laughs> Tell me what your uh, goals are after Maple. Oh my gosh. Um, I want to get a job that pays me to do actual political work and less like direct service. Although I love my job. I love Whole Woman's Health. Don't get me wrong, but I want to do more um, actual policy work. So that's what I'm hoping Maple will do for me. Yeah? Yeah. So, um... You're, you're in your first semester right yes. now, so I know that you're taking the policy class. Yes. Um, tell us about the policy that you're thinking about or working on in your class right now. Yeah, and if anybody's listening to this and wants to, you know, help out, let me know. Um, so a few years ago, California passed a law that allowed, that widened the scope of a nurse practitioner's um, practice. <laughs> Also for midwives as well, um, that allows advanced practitioners to perform early aspiration abortion. Okay. Um, and so this, basically what this is, is to integrate abortion care in common gynecology practice. But what this also does is it expands abortion access for folks in rural areas and in high-need areas. Um, and there have been fantastic studies done by the University of California in San Francisco that shows the safety and the efficacy of advanced practitioners performing these early abortions. Um, and, you know, I always joke about, you know, having an abortion pill bus, you know, that we can take up to the Iron Range and give up the abortion pill so that women don't have to give birth to unwanted pregnancies and they don't have to leave their communities that they can access the care where they are early as well. So you're looking at uh, the, the possibility of, for this project, um, you want to bring a law like that to Minnesota. Exactly, yeah. So to see what we can do to bring some proactive legislation when it comes to specifically abortion care. Um, in Minnesota. I think we need to, I mean, we have a really great constant, state constitution that prevent, protects a woman's right to abortion. Um, so even if Roe v. Wade were to quote fall, we're still going to have that protection here. Um, Me. Thank you. Anything else we can grab with Thank you. Yeah, so we need to do something here. Yeah. Protect women's rights. Um, 
Are you looking forward to or worried about anything in the upcoming Minnesota legislative session? So, I know last session we had um, the um, anti-abortion organization attempt to pass through an ambulatory surgical center law, like what was passed in Texas Mm -hmm. and what is going through all of the courts right now. so I'm guessing we're probably going to see a little bit more of these trap regulations try to go into effect, or of course there's always the attempt to remove uh, public funding of abortion, um, which our state has affirmed, right? Rightfully so. Yeah. A woman's ability to afford her abortion does not should not determine whether or not she's able to actually get one, right? Um, so I think we're just going to continue to see, you know, these. Um, tricky laws, and I say tricky in that like they're coded as being um, for women's health care when in reality it has nothing to do with women's health care. Um, I'm really grateful for Governor Dayton. He is pro-choice, and he has repeatedly um, fought against you know anti, anti-abortion laws, and so um, I don't think anything will get through, but it you always worry about, well, what happens, you know, when he's at our governor. Yeah, totally. Um, speaking of what happens when somebody new gets elected, do you want to, uh, I just am really curious to, to hear your take on what's going on in the presidential election campaign cycle right now. Yeah, um, I think it's great that both Democratic candidates have um, talked about the great injustice that the Hyde Amendment does for women, um, especially like low-income women, women of color, disabled women, um, removing their ability to access abortion care. Um, I see that impact on women every day, um, and it's terrible. It's horrible, and so I think it's amazing that nationally we have two Democratic candidates saying that this is wrong. Amazing to me, especially from a candidate who used to say abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. Yeah, which is a total flying slogan, yeah. I guess, but it's yeah. also very stigmatizing to women who have abortions. Yeah. Um. So, I'm excited to see you know if we can actually get this writer taken off of the next budget. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I hope we do. Me too. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Angelica. Thank you, Trisha. <laughs> you me, baby. Angelica uh, only lightly touched on in our interview was that Whole Woman's Health is involved in a major Supreme Court case right now that could have a huge impact on women's right to access safe and legal reproductive health services. So um, 
If you haven't pay, been uh, paying attention to that, definitely head over to our website or our Facebook account. We've posted a couple links about it. You can find Whole Woman's Health online at wholewomanshealth.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at HBIT Podcast, and we love to hear from our listeners. So send us an email at hbitpodcast at gmail.com. We also like voice memos and love to play them on our podcast, so think about that. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon with a full-length episode. Take care.